Welcome to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern, the show that helps you turn your printing company into a bionic business. Here is your host, Ross Edwards. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Inkspire podcast, where each week we cover at least one of the three strategies that will help you build a bionic business, technology, culture, and process. Each episode, I'm joined by different guests to chat about their experience and insight into being bionic and leading the way in the ever-changing industry of print. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by, first of all, uh, John Murphy, who's one of our workflow specialists here at Tharston. Hi, John. Hello, Ross. How are you, mate? And also, uh, I'm pleased to be joined by uh, one of our integration specialists as well, Dan McLaughlin. Good morning, Ross. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, great. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for joining us. And it, no better two people to join us for today's topic in talking about the why and how of integration and the benefits for print businesses. Um, but before we get started, I think it would be great for the listeners, perhaps if you could just tell us a little bit more about your roles at Tharson and how you help print businesses. Uh, so perhaps, uh, John, we could start with you. Okay, so I've been with Tharston now six or seven years, six six years, about six years. So I basically come from a workflow background, used to run studios uh, before joining a German uh, workflow and press manufacturing company, worked for them for about 19 years and then joined um, Tharston about six years ago. So it's my responsibility really to look after our sort of our connections to workflows. So obviously, uh, uh, Fuji, Agfa, Switch, Heidelberg, Kodak, and obviously the digital devices as well, large format and sheet fed. So I get involved with those sort of things. Obviously, also work on the uh, imposition inside of Tharston. So looking at uh, layouts for bound products and uh, yeah. nested solutions and stuff for carton packaging and for large format. So yeah, just the uh, a bit of a workflow bloke, really. Sounds like you must have a lot of spare time when you're on the Senate, John. <laughs> not much to do there right eh? not much to do no not a lot and also yeah Dan perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what it is you did with your role well yeah I've been with Aston about 10 years and uh started out in the training side of things you know implementation uh yeah. I'm from a print background but always with a, a technical know-how and so over the years, you know, getting involved in JDF and workflow evolved into starting to get asked questions from people about what else can we do, the likes of Enfocus Switch and that type of thing led to, you know, going down the avenue of, of well, what exactly can we pull out of Fast and put into Fast and what can mm. we automate, mm. what can we the API for, what things can we do in the database. And that's then led on to, you know, lots and lots of other possibilities, really, of, of integration. So, yeah, more integration, were just self-contained within Tharston, whether it be importing things or, or something like, or exporting things for certain other pieces of software or an actual integration piece to another piece of software. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's all about what I always see for, for what both of you uh, get very uh, heavily involved in is helping to use Tharson to glue everything else together. That, that's how I always kind of talk it to other uh, print businesses about, you know, what can be achieved. Because in, I think in this day and age, it is common, it's realistic, it's to be expected that businesses are going to be using a multitude of different softwares and technologies. And I guess it, it, it's trying, trying to bring everything together and it's so that everything talks to each other. But, you know, maybe that's probably a key point to talk about. Um, you know, what is integration and what is automation are they the same thing so it's interesting i mean for many years integration and automation would appear to be the same thing and obviously automation is the easiest to describe you know from the orders arriving on site to be arriving at the, the rip or being imaged or, or being out plates output basically it's hands-free touch off that's what i consider an automated workflow something that yeah. happens without any human intervention whatsoever yeah, that kind and of, of lights-off situation as that people talk about. Mm. Exactly. So whenever mm. somebody sees a demonstration of a workflow or something, that's mm. the image that's popping in their head. Mm. But often you can see people who actually work in the arena. You can normally tell by their body language in a sort of demonstration environment 
that they the arms get crossed and the legs get crossed and there's a bit of negativity going in there because they know that we don't live in a perfect world. If you don't have control over all of the aspects of that workflow, including the artwork, you know, the originated artwork that's that's been delivered to you, yeah. then automation is a, is a very difficult thing to deliver because it needs there need there is a variable in there that you have no control over. So a good example would be online ordering system automatically into the MIS. MIS sends it into a workflow, imposes it, and then that imposition is then delivered back into Tharston as an imposed PDF file or a TIFF or whatever you want. And then basically then Tharston then sends that to, let's say, a digital DFE to be manufactured. There's no reason why in that environment that you couldn't automate that process. You couldn't automate it. But if you don't have control over the PDF that comes from the customer, if it isn't designed by that web to print solutions own product or is assessed on its way in, then the chances of automating that are wrong because you could have metadata that doesn't match, you know, wrong amount of pages, wrong page size, wrong mm-hmm. combination of colors, mm-hmm. something like that could come in and then basically it all kicks off. And then all the gain you've made from, from that automation is then lost. You end up having to redo three jobs a day. And to be honest, you could have done all the jobs going through that day and not done it. And of course, it's also deemed that the project's a failure. You know, it doesn't work. It's pointless. We're not going to do it. If you look at it a different way and just talk about an integrated workflow, yeah, there can be aspects of automation in there. You can still have imposed content coming in, but you mm. might put, you know, a manual step with communication. So that example that I gave, the PDF not being right, in an integrated environment, you'd almost applaud that. That's what you want it to do. That's what it's designed to do. Yeah. The PDF comes in, you expect it to be wrong, and you have an integrated workflow in there that highlights that, triggers it back, and then you deal with it in the in in the slickest way possible. And of course, okay. the other benefit of an integrated workflow is that all the software talks and communicates to each other, not just telling you when it's done it, but other bits of information. You know, is it on proof? Has it been approved? Mm. who's checked it when was it done how did it pass the pre-flight how can i get that pre-flight report onto the right person yeah 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 that, that's one of the key points for me in, in the, the things that i look at when i'm trying to work out how to do an integration piece i think we touched on before we don't want customers to be constrained to a software suite where it's all the same manufacturer you, you want to be able to have the best of breed you want to be able to have the best product for each situation and where we then look at it saying yes do that and we will make it work mm. with Farston as the centerpiece of all of that yeah so if it's updating job statuses updating milestones all mm. that type of thing we'll find the way mm. to bring that back from whatever the other piece of software is and then making the, the MIS the, 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 the centerpiece of that that communicates right. MIS has got mm. to be the yeah. hub yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds to me like integration is is about getting solutions communicating to each other, and then automation is the next step on of maybe like taking away processes that can be automatically done, and almost like automation can become the outcome of an integration. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would absolutely agree with that. In the integration is often the first step. Yeah. You know let's get everything talking to each other let's get the yeah. process together and then which are the the bits of this process that we don't actually need any intervention mm. or, or we can put some rules in place that will step us through that mm. absolutely that yeah so it might sound like you're having talked about that almost like an obvious answer but as a business if you're listening to you know a business that's listening to this now or a business owner what happens if you don't integrate Dan? Well, you're just making life harder for yourself. Mm. Staff are directed in places that they don't necessarily need to be if you can do an integration stroke automation project. So, you know, the idea that you've got staff who are dealing with every single job, say in a pre-press type of workflow, that, that every job that comes through needs looking at, needs processing, it's just... You know, it's become something that's a bit of a a no-no these days because so much of the work that passes through can be automated without touching the sides. You know, 
A4 leaflets, you know, A5 leaflets, things like that type mm. of thing can just flow through that workflow. So it leaves your operators, and, and that's in whatever aspect of the business, not necessarily just pre-press. Yeah. That it leaves them to do the things that matter more, to spend more time on doing the things that are often higher value. Yeah. And I think later on, we're going to talk about some examples, aren't we, Dan and John, of some ideas and scenarios of integration automation projects that you've done that might help as well to, to kind of spark some ideas for people and understand the benefits of it as well. It's, it's interesting, Ross. I mean, I'll just add a little bit to that. I yeah. mean, if you, if you look at hardware today, it, almost every single piece of equipment that you have out there is designed to make ready quicker, manufacture quicker, deal with shorter run lengths, deal with, uh, you know, more smaller transactions, you know, yes. the days of putting a job on and letting it run all day, yeah. you know, and that's my core business. I mean, they're a rarity now, those those sort of massive long run jobs, but it's much more about handling a lot more transactions of lesser value. So, yeah. of course, without an integrated workflow in place to deal with those, it means that the administration of those products, you know, getting the artwork, getting it approved, getting it signed off, getting it to the right device, getting the instructions so they're appropriate. There simply isn't time. I mean, it's mm. not a question of chucking more manpower at it. There just simply isn't time. You know, the job is is in and out and manufactured in five minutes. You can't administer it for an hour. It's physically impossible. I mean, it's yeah. just, you'd have to, you know, you could never recover the cost on that. So it's all about really having an integrated workflow that max matches the performance of the device. So it's interesting people think about integrated workflows around large manufacturers, you know, large yeah. format presses or, or high performance machines. But the reality of it is an automated integrated workflow has considerably more value on a smaller, more agile piece of equipment than it does on the larger boys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because it, it's harder to, harder to feed it. And what you, what you mustn't do is make all that saving in a manufacturing environment for you to lose all that money by having an administrative team like a pocket battleship upstairs just trying to keep up with the device it just doesn't make sense it can't happen yeah no that's a really good point it's, it's kind of like you know printing technology has, has gained and gained and gained over the years hasn't it to make production so efficient but then if you if your administration side of the business isn't as efficient you're losing the gains that you've made haven't you uh, and especially in, in today's world where there are lots more what's more short run jobs and a quantity of jobs going through a business and that each time every job has its own administration cost and time to get that through as well so that, that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense and, and, and that whole shift left philosophy ross of, of you know the further a job gets down the line it, it the more expensive it is to fix you know yes but if you cut a job in half wrong you've got to you know go all the way back down the line it's much more expensive so the further left you go, yeah. the cheaper it is to fix. And so yeah. getting that first step where CSRs are taking jobs from customers and can you know, do a pre-wash to say, is, is this the right size? Is it the right number of pages? Before that gets to pre-press and you've got a more expensive pre-press operator doing that. Mm. Obviously, you know, that shows that move that problem left and obviously the further left you can push it the better and that includes back to the customer and so not necessarily giving it back to the customer but making sure the customer is supplying it in the yeah. correct way or making sure that if the customer supplies it in such a way you can ratify it you can uh, kind of normalize it before it gets into your workflow yeah yeah i think you're right it's, it's, it's like the further upstream you can capture any issues is what you're saying that then the more cost efficient that job will be for you further downstream that's right very important quicker and easier it is to process yeah. yeah and it's interesting there that you talked about people there as well dan it sounds like people play a, an important role in this as well in that like we're shifting left almost some responsibilities and roles as well that you've now got csrs who are carrying out some studio pre-press roles basically just doing that checking you know the old days mm. of just putting the artwork onto the pre-press yeah. team for them to find out the errors you know and it might be 
lots of time. So when it comes to dealing with the customer, it might be, you know, an yeah. amount of time that has that is, is passed by before that file gets looked at. And, and yeah. then it says it's the wrong size, it's the wrong number of pages. It's a whole, you know, different thing. We, we pick it up absolutely immediately and then it can just go straight through for processing. Or we can let the customer know straight away or we can yeah. ask the customer the question. Yeah. And actually, you know, to, to a CSR listening to this now, they might be thinking, you know, or somebody in that job processing role thinking, oh, I mean, I don't want to get involved with with doing them sort of things. But really, not. it's the technology that's doing it for you through, through the integration, isn't it? But you're then making life easier for the rest of the business by doing them few steps that might be required. And more importantly, I think it is like you said there is you're capturing it really quickly so you can communicate quickly with your customer and maybe create an opportunity out of that as well. That I think it's that scenario that you get the wrong artwork and if it's not been looked at for several days and it's just about to go to print, you've got such a small window of opportunity to, to then fix yeah. it. And it almost becomes difficult to go back to the customer to, to recover that cost for fixing it. It does. You've got to go back to your customer with your tail between your legs and, and, and say, yeah. yeah, sorry about that. But, you know, so yeah. it, it gives the whole the whole system become yeah. better because of it. Yeah. Mm. It's so, interesting, Ross, you made the comment earlier on about a CSR looking at a task thinking, yeah. you know, I remember getting involved probably 1990 in an exhibition where there was a, a German presenter there who had baseball caps with the different roles within the different business. And as he was doing a, his demonstration, he was taking off one hat and putting on another and then taking that hat off and putting on another as he went along. I've got to say, it's, one, it's one of the most ridiculous things I think <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. But, but, <laughs> but, the, but the reality of a modern print shop is, is that, you know, we certainly do it at Thurston and we see it a lot with our customers. Is that whole role, that departmental approach to print, as the run lengths get smaller, as the jobs overall become much smaller in time, then it, it actually makes sense for you to be able to give people the tools in an integrated environment to do the job they need to do. You know, 95% of what any department does, and if I look at pre-press, for example, 95% of what they do is mundane and can be done by anybody. You know, customer needs a proof. As simple as that. They just need a proof. Thanks for that. I've made the change. Yeah, before you output it, can you just run me out of proof? In the bad old days, that would be find the job bag, write it on the job bag, put it in the pile of other jobs for proofing. That eventually gets around to being looked at an hour, two hours later when he gets to that point in the view. He then outputs the proof, takes that proof off, puts it back in the job bag and delivers it back to him. That's a massive amount of time. But there is no skill in that whatsoever. If I had a tool with, within the MIS, if I could go and grab a page in there and send a remote signal, for a proof to output and then walk over and pick it up. That's a massive saving. That's a brilliant integration project that is so easy to deliver. It's yeah. ridiculous. And then yeah. the other 5% that checking out troublesome files, you know, looking at a complicated interlock laydown, uh, you know, troubleshooting something on the press that's not optimized, that is causing them, you know, to have slow make readies and slow running speed and so on and so forth. That's brilliant use of a pre-press operator, that skill set, absolutely fantastic. That person should not be being, you know, disrupted by those processes, you know, those mundane processes. So that's the thing to think of, really. Normally, yeah. when somebody thinks of an integrated workflow, what they think of is the sausage factory. And it only mm. takes someone to turn around and say, well, you can't do that because of this. Yeah. But that can be really small. It could be as simple as what I just said. I'm, my CSRs are regularly asked to output proofs we're going to streamline that process by remotely triggering it and pick up your own proof and just do it yourself because there's no reason not to do it or yeah. you can go the whole hog and try and integrate or start at one element then add another then add another of these specific tasks until then what you have is a is, is a jet fighter of a workflow you know? yeah i think you're absolutely right it's kind of that marginal gains approach isn't it that uh, one of my favorite ever books is the the compound effect by darren hardy where he talks about you know just Rather than aiming for something big as a project, which is more likely to fail and takes more effort, more uh, resource to make it work, pick up something small, but then that you'll start to see the the compound effect of that small 
behavior change, if you will, or system change uh, or workflow change. And you will start to see the compound effect that that has over a period of time and how that then might lead from changing that to going all right, well, what do we change next? What do we change next? And doing it in, in smaller chunks, I think, is, is kind of what you were alluding to there. Is that right, John? Absolutely, Ross, yeah. Mm -hmm. So one thing that um, we've touched on people and as part of the being bionic, we always like to talk about not just the importance of technology, but the importance of people within your business as well and the culture within your business. So, John, what would be your thoughts on where people fit into to like a workflow project or an integration project? The interesting thing is, Ross, so if I talk about integration partners that I've worked yeah. with, yeah. you know, they've not all been massive successes. You know, there've been some have been, you know, easier to implement than others, that's for sure. Yeah. It's a bit like anything, really. I think the attitude far exceeds the technical capability. If you've got somebody that's prepared to embrace it, and it does take courage. I mean, it's it's human nature. It's quite natural for whenever your job changes for yeah. you to assume that that's the end of your career or the last time you're ever going to get a pay increase or the last time that's ever happening. But the reality of it is if you've got a can-do attitude and you implement these workflows, then it's actually it gives you greater job security moving forward and a more enriched working day because what you're doing is you're you're working and amending processes as opposed to doing a mundane task 45 times a day you're in there doing what you need to do and, and making a massive difference to the company so mm. attitude is a is, is a, a massive benefit to the project also who's involved in that project in my opinion is is really important you always need somebody with a helicopter view of the project somebody who's not invested in the day-to-day -day mcgubbins of it but somebody who realizes what it is is the objective of it you know from here on inwards all we want to do is for csrs to deliver their own proofs you know yeah they don't want to get involved with the fact of whether you're using acrobat dc or full-blown acrobat or whether you're going to pre-flight it first or you don't need to get involved in that but you just need to keep steering the project adjusting it gently and says look don't get hung up on this move on you know we'll come back to it later let's not have the whole project stall just because of this one element so yeah the roles in it really is about building that right team having the right attitude and if you've got that the, the combination of things in place the the project can be very successful and obviously scoping is vitally important you know why are we doing this and constantly coming back to it and reminding yourself of that as you go along. I think it's the point is is people have a have, do have a I don't know would you agree with this Dan that people do have a critical part to play in, in an integration project? Absolutely absolutely yeah I mean just back on your example there Ross I, I remember doing a project early days actually of, of getting involved with switch and automation yeah were you know, we went to a place and the pre-press uh, manager was quite dismissive of how it was all going to work and how it was all going to play out. Mm. And, you know, one of the junior pre-press guys who I think he might have only worked three days a week part time, he said, well, if you don't mind, I'll sit in and I'll learn it. Yeah. And now he's this the company. Well, they don't have the pre-press manager anymore. And the guy who sat in on the switch sessions, they couldn't do without him. The business revolves, you know, around switch and around the automation. And so yeah. him getting involved in those early days and becoming, you know, embracing all that change and embracing all the technology and wanting to get involved means that not only you know, is he essential to the business, he's actually become a, a bit of a, a guru on, on, on the workflow. So when it comes to doing new stuff, they don't necessarily have to go to a partner yeah and to outside the business to then implement something they can they can do that in-house so by embracing it and taking on that knowledge and learning they've managed to you know really bring everything on internally yeah that is a a very good point and a, and a very um real point as well you know about the reality of, of integration automation so what i'm hearing here is people People do have a, an important role to play. We need somebody who's got the vision of making that happen. We need people to actually get involved to make the integration work. Ideally, there needs to be people that 
you know, the, the advice there is to embrace it <laughs> because rather than fight, to embrace it. Um, but and they're the type of people that you want to be part of the project. But more importantly as well, that we still need somebody to maintain that integration and to be able to develop that integration further on and no technology or no machine is ever going to be able to see that and do that and make a recommendation going hey here's the next thing to do it's only through living and breathing it that you're gonna you're really gonna see that that what other opportunities there are to keep on integrating you know automating automating integrating and, and chipping away a bit like the formula one team is constantly trying to tweak the, the the car and the performance and shave a second off here and five seconds here and and um, that all make them huge differences that's right and i'm sure john would agree with me so many automation projects are never finished they are ongoing all the mm. time you know and I, I think there's an old adage about when we were you know pretty much doing a, little, a lot of jdf stuff where we were kind of saying, well, 75, 80% of the integration, you know, and, and the work can go through there from day one when we get everything set up. But that next 10% might take 12 months, and then yeah. the next 2% might take another 12 months, then the next 1%. It's like you with your, with your compound improvement. It, it, it's that type of scenario. And so an automation project, an integration project, is it's never quite finished because often uh, are found on things like switch integrations working with switch partners mm. you'll be well into an integration and, and building the workflow and the people implementing it on the customer side might just all of a sudden have a dawning realization that well actually if it can do that it can do this and so can we actually change that though, to, to make it do this as well we never thought we'd be able to automate, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And we find that projects, you know, they become so organic and they, they grow so quickly because people realize the, the power of these implementation pieces. Yeah. And realize just what can be achieved. I imagine as well, there's a there's an element of um confidence that plays a role here as well that once you've done, you've done your first integration project or, or you know and, and created some level of automation and you see that working and the benefits it's bringing and it's kind of a high fives all round that that's going to then give give you more confidence to go okay that that's worked for that what, what can we do next if we can make it work here surely we can then make it work there so it kind of like it it becomes very self-perpetuating almost. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've seen it with our very best integration sites. Mm. That's exactly that's exactly the thing. And actually, that's power to the elbow of the customer. That, to me, is the yeah. difference. That's the difference between great sites and really amazing sites. It are the ones that have the vision to sit and say, well, okay, you know, and not be accepting of the status quo constantly have a look well yeah as, as you mentioned earlier on you know that worked here so why yeah. the heck can't we make it work over here you know what other obstacles do we need to learn and yeah it's also it's much easier if i if i sat down switch we were just talking about it if i sat down with somebody who'd never worked with a switch workload before and gave yeah. them an empty plan and said go on and go fill your boots You'd be sat there looking at it thinking, what the heck's going on? It's a blank canvas. I mean, it literally is a blank canvas. But if somebody has already put something in place, you know, a workflow in place, to yeah. be able to duplicate that and edit that process is a much easier task because you know the steps that you needed to go through. All you need to do is to change the task that it performs to do something slightly different. So as a, as a training exercise, that approach to we've got that bit working, let's do another one. It means that you get those extras. And I always think the best switch consultants are the ones that don't do the work, are the ones that demonstrate how they do the work. That that, that implementation becomes a training exercise as much as an implementation exercise. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we have we have certain consultancy teams that we work with who are brilliant at that. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Share everything, don't care about anything, don't bolt anything down. And we have other guys who just give you a black box. You know, there's an input to it and an output to it, and in goes your file and out comes the result. But nobody knows how you do it. That, that's what you want to avoid. It has to be something 
that grows the knowledge within the business doesn't just fulfill a task yes that's really good advice really good advice and now i know um we've kind of touched on what integration is what automation is and the role of people and obviously technology is is an important part of all of this as well using the right technology and you've touched on like switch and focus switch workflow as one example there and we'll talk about others i don't want to get too bogged down in the technology part of it because i mean actually as a confession what inspired this idea of, of a podcast was the recent Thorsten TV episodes that you've done on the integration lab you recently recorded and has been released, John, and I think is, is a great resource for people to refer to, um, to maybe get a bit more about the technology side of things, isn't it? <laughs> Me trying to learn scripts and deliver stuff was one of the more challenging days at work I've ever had, but actually massively enjoyable, really, really, really enjoyable. And, uh, and actually bring on board Cheryl and Chris into that bringing real life integrators yeah so that arena and getting their point of view was i thought was really insightful really useful really helpful and actually you know really really enjoyable so chris and cheryl chris is is a from a print business a customer is he he is yeah so he's a main main workflow and mis guy at bcq chris smith all right yeah cheryl corbett who was at i think she started at esp then went to pure print and is now with JDP. Um, so Chris is sort of a project driver, but a, a good techie fellow. And Cheryl is extremely techie. I mean, almost to right. the programmer level. Okay. Brilliant in Switch, good in the database, able yeah. to do a lot of things outside the box. So actually really, really great to have them on board and get in their point of view. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's really, really well worth um, taking a watch. And um, well, I say this is what inspired the idea for this podcast, really, just just watching that and listening to it. So I definitely direct people to to the Tharson TV and take a look at the integration lab to get more on that side of things. I think one of the key questions I know that I often get asked and when engaging with businesses, when we're talking about integration projects is how how do we make sure we get it right when you're doing an integration project? John, what, what's your thoughts? Okay, so I sort of touched on it earlier on, really, yeah. that, that attitude and being prepared for challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't accept the status quo. Set the objectives, and and as Dan suggested earlier on, set with a with a with a smaller objective to start off, yeah. and then expand upon it. Yeah. You know, went on. You know, the different phases of an integration. Obviously, the installation, which tends to be quite trouble free and quite quick, and yeah. then you have the configuration and admin and and training of it, which is a little bit more elongated. But it's absolutely vitally important that you have a triage phase. So one, to check that it's being used. Two, yeah. to check that it's actually working. And three, to check for right, what's the next thing we're going to do. You know, don't stop it there. Go again. We need, you know, we've done this task. What's next? What are we going to do next? Yeah. Uh, getting buy-in from management, not, that, you know, not on a particularly technical level, but just as a, as a driving force, as a push yeah, as to a get it through in a timely fashion. And then, uh, yeah, just commit and go for it, really. And, um, you know, there used to be challenges in any integration that, that you had, you know, loopholes that, that were very difficult. to Impositioning was one of them. I mean, it was mm. always extremely difficult, you know, very easy to demonstrate because you're picking the things that you want to impose. You're picking the things you want to show. But in the reality, we don't live in that perfect world. We're dealing with odd page sizes, odd combinations of pagination, of you know, odd running orders, of binding configurations, all sorts of stuff going on to try and deliver this stuff. But recently, we've got tools that aren't even really integration specific. You know that they are basically in fast and designed to help the estimator to come up with the right solution. Layout library has been a massive improvement in impositioning because it has things like auto trim, auto calculation built within it as a steering to remove production methods that you wouldn't ordinarily do, take them out of the equation so they're not there. You know, all your tumbles are gone in a heartbeat, thank heavens. And then you, 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 you're stuck with a, a selection of production-approved laydowns that can have variables in them, you know, different overfold, different folding combinations based on the stock. They can have, you know, auto trims on them so that you're not having to pre-trim sheets before they're folded. You know, you can set up a stack of eight, 16 page sections all with different page sizes and not adjust the folder in any way just push them through just let it keep folding again and again it will work because the laydowns have all been sort of streamlined 
And then you bring on board the the integration product that we bought in for Imp, which obviously was initially for a sort of ganging and bringing it together, but now is being used successfully for nested solutions and different products of different sizes on there. All of those are pre-settable. You can use them to drive products downstream. If they're sophisticated, you can send in stripping parameters, deliver an accurate imposition scheme to be edited in pre-press if needed, or deliver imposed content. It's, it's just down to the capability of the end device. You got the end of it. So these were all technologies and all things that have sort of brought us to where we are now. And we now have several customers where sort of large swathes of what they do have fully automatic impositioning built into them, not being touched by anybody. You know, the idea yeah. that you could have automatic bound impositioning five years ago, it's impossible. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Does that answer your question? It does indeed. Yeah, very, very, very thoroughly. Thank you. Yeah. And I think um, it's interesting there where you talked about kind of having the vision to keep on pushing forward. And I know from experience of businesses I've worked with that they that they quite often almost have like a little steering committee, you know, made up of different people within the business that will constantly challenge, get together and, and review, but then also challenge what can we do next and what's next on the list. I think that's always a, a good thing to to kind of assemble that um, work for an integration team. I think, Dan, you work with quite a few teams within businesses on, who have that, you know, that in place, don't you? That's right, yeah. You need the, quite often you need that visionary. Yeah. Who says, you know, it might just be someone who's just picking things out of the air and saying, I want us to automate this. I want this to be done automatically. And then walks away and says, right, you guys, you know, deal with it. But that visionary and then the technical people to, to be able to implement that and drive it, you know, so you, you might bring in knowledge from all parts of the business, right? So that involves, you know, it might involve finishing. So so we need to get them involved and we need to get pre-press involved, etc. All that type of thing is absolutely required because without that vision, you're a bit lost. You need that focus. The other thing I wanted to mention was quite often people focusing on getting absolutely everything working 100% before they'll switch something on. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And that can often cause a lot of frustration, both working externally with external people and also internally with departments. You know, if you've got somebody who's on a project and they're, they're trying to get absolutely everything working 100%, and you've got somebody then who is, you know, saying, well, where's this up to? Where's this up to? Where's this up to? Oh, well, it's not right yet. It's not ready yet. Whereas the reality is, if they actually turned it on, right, 98% of all the work would just flow through it, no problem. And the bits that are still waiting to be kind of, oh, well, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. That's fine because 98% of everything that's going to go through is just going to go through. And, and the last, you know, couple of percent, you can just, just, pick it up and just have a look at it and then start to you know change that and that works for anything that's not you know everything seems to have a pre-press look but that that's not necessarily the case yeah uh, for example you know just just to bring some examples in of integration projects things i've done for customers were things like um purchase invoice importing now we have a standard purchase invoice plug-in from Farston, but there's been a couple of cases where a customer has approached us and says, look, we know you've got the purchase invoice importer, but our supply is not in that format, whether it's, you know, whether they're getting mm -hmm. PDFs, whether they're getting XML files, whatever. And so we've put an integration piece on the front of that yeah. to be able to then, you know, manipulate the data, drive the data into the Farston. Well, Exactly in that scenario, you know, it might be that we get 90% of all the purchase invoices just absolutely smashing through, no problem, creating absolutely fine. And then there's the odd one that still needs a little bit of intervention. Yeah. A couple of times customers kind of say, well, it, it doesn't work. So, well, they're really kind of isolated. You know, it doesn't work because the supplier's not put this reference on or whatever. Mm still only processing a minute amount than what you were originally yeah and you know you can just deal with those ones 
as and when they come up and we can tweak whatever the routine is as and when we can maybe go and do some extra lookups or we can do some extra manipulation whatever it is to be able to process it a bit further and every time just incrementally do it but that, that kind of one of my tips is let it go live you know start using it once you know that most of it is working as it needs to and you there might be a few exceptions to that but you can always just adjust as you go don't be reliant on getting absolutely everything working on day one yeah i know i think it's a really good start now get perfect later because otherwise if, if you get hung up on perfection it almost becomes persecution doesn't it because you you you're never going to get there i think until you start getting it live and getting it working and then start to get real life scenarios coming through where you go ah, actually okay we've got that so yes i think that you've got to get to a certain point of you know minimum level that's acceptable yeah, yeah. so you know let, let's set a target we want to get 70 percent through or 60 percent through this flow and then how can we keep on improving that but until you until you kind of get to that get to that point and then you're not going to progress it further really without getting live i don't uh, i don't think so Dan, you, you mentioned there a, a good example surrounding purchase invoicing, uh, and that was one of the things I was keen to, to you know to talk about was real life examples of, of integration and automation projects. Have you have you got any other ones that spring to mind? Yeah, well, with that purchase invoice import, it was a, a good example of something that it was a bit COVID related, really, in that. Staff absences meant that the CEO was doing all the purchase invoices himself. Um, and he thought, hang on, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so, you know, I had that vision because he hadn't necessarily previously had that experience in that part of the business to realise that somebody was spending all their time processing these files and doing what they needed to do and putting it into Tharston and yeah. maybe even sometimes a cross-entry into another accounts package and, you know, things like that and so that's how the project started you know it was it was having a look at a focus on, on that part of the business that probably had never been looked at so I like bringing that one up when people ask me about these things because yes quite often we concentrate in printing on the workflow on getting the files and getting the plates made or getting the the files ripped onto a DFE or whatever it is mm. but there's lots of other stuff going on you know there's lots of other stuff going on in, within a business that that can be automated fastens of a, you know big piece of software and yeah so things like shipping you know okay yeah the ability to create on mass shipping imports and so a couple of customers approached us and said that they had a, a print requirement for a job you know it might be ten thousand copies or something but the distribution requirement was much, much bigger. And they only really had a, a need to create a, a pre-delivery note or a delivery note for, you know, maybe 100 addresses to send out these packs to of, of flyers or whatever it was. And so, again, using the Tharston API as the starting point, yeah. create a routine that can read the CSV file that is, you know, specific format, job number, the address that it's going to, etc. If the address doesn't create, it doesn't exist already, we can create that on the fly. And then we can create that pre-delivery note against that job automatically, all from dropping a CSV file in. Now, it sounds like a really simple integration piece, but imagine, you know, keying 100 delivery notes in to do something every couple of days where you've got lots of work like that going on yeah yeah i think in one customer's case it was you know weekly hundreds of addresses and you know the ability to put that in in one fell swoop was just, it was just kind of game changing for them so it's it's wins in lots of different parts of the business you know and then something kind of completely different really was the work that we did with carbon quarter Again, we were approached by a customer who said, we have a requirement to get our carbon usage amounts on estimates that we can then report back to the customer so they can look at how they can reduce their carbon usage. 
And so we work with Carbon Quarter then using their API that they developed in conjunction with us, but using then using professional services on the Farston side to write the scripts, write, gather the data, send the data up to Carbon Quarter, bring the data back, process it. Again, a, a real slick integration into Carbon Quarter that means we've now got, you know, that offering and, you know, our API is such a powerful tool and it's getting things added to it, of course, all the time. And um, another integration project that springs to mind was was one for a North American customer that, again, they had a, a requirement for an, a, a distribution import that was, you know, vast, thousands of stores. And they also had a requirement that they needed a, a customer facing front end for the yeah. customer to be able to order things from and so you know a routine the whole thing from start to finish using Thurston's api and a little bit of just cool plugins that we've got that can consume csv files etc but then you know consuming those then using the api to create sales orders you know in the thousands and and then being able to then look at all that on a customer interface that completely uses the Thurston API to display everything to the customer and yeah. allow them to reorder. Yeah. So, you know, from a Thurston point of view, there wasn't a massive amount of hands-on on, on the latter part of it, the customer-facing website. That was done by external development. But, you know, at every stage, we helped and guided the web developers who needed, you know, to know, well, how can we do this in the API? How can we do that? You know, a couple of times we didn't have what was needed, so we got development items in to, mm. to kind of boost it to make it work. And at yeah. the end of it, we've got a, you know a really great product that the customer absolutely loves, and that really scalable as well, and, and, and yeah. all driven. And the beauty of it, the beauty of it is that it's the whole thing is now driven by the people who work inside the company, not the techies. Yeah. The, the people, the CSRs who are processing the customer orders, who can drop a file in to create all this stuff and then it appears on the website and it's all, yeah. you know, completely integrated start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, project you're talking about and, and actually to agree, a lot of it is driven by the, the customer's customers, isn't it? Uh, you've inspired me there and uh, maybe need to uh, see if we can get them on the podcast to, to talk about it. But um, what I do love about that story is how it started. And that was almost like that, that Richard Branson approach of say yes and then figure out how are you going to do it afterwards. And and he identified an opportunity or a solution that was required for prospective and existing customers and said, yes, we can do it. And then engaged with with his you know, MIS partner, with other technology partners to say, right, how do we make this happen? And to drive that, to, to make that vision become a reality. That's right. That's right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Which maybe, I think maybe we could get Richard Branson on the podcast, Ross. Well, who knows? I mean, he has approached a couple of times, but I've just said <laughs> we're a bit too busy at the moment. Um, you know, for his self propaganda and stuff. But may, maybe, maybe we could, we could get it recorded from his island or something. We um, yeah, so, some some really great examples there, Dan, and, and thank you, thank you very much for that. One thing I would I'd, I'd like to ask from both of you is like, what's the one key takeaway you, you know one piece of advice that you give to to, to to somebody who's listening about integration and automation so i'll i'll start with you dan first so yeah i think i've already kind of said this it's that focusing on perfection it don't focus on perfection try and achieve what you can achieve yeah and put the wheels in motion and adapt as you go along because it helps you to learn and it helps you have a better solution because the other thing is you've got the mindset of making it perfect from when you start. You perhaps get into the mindset of never touching it once you've set it live. Yeah. Whereas you, if you have a continuous improvement on tweaking and just making things a little bit better, having that mindset, you know, that it's not going to be perfect at the start and that you're going to be continually improving. I think that's a big, big part of getting a, a really good solution yeah very good point very good point now john going second can be a, a curse or a blessing 
uh, because either Dan's already taken your your key takeaway or it's given you time to have a bit of a think about what your answer would be. So what would you say, John? Can I have two? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, can I have two takeaways? So number one, my recommendation would be when you see that new piece of kit, consider how it will integrate. Consider whether your current workflow will allow it to perform the way you've yeah. just seen that demonstration. That would be the first thing. And the second thing is, if you haven't integrated, don't consider the whole thing. Don't come and talk to us and get us to demonstrate a whole workflow. Find an individual problem, a proofing process, pre-flighting, approval cycle, anything, anything. Come and talk to us and see whether we can bite off that as a first step into integration. Yeah. I think my I think my two points were both better than Dan's one. I think. <laughs> well, we'll get some feedback from from the listeners to, to both them, or maybe my suggestion might outsmart them all. I mean, one of the things I was going to say is, uh, any good MIS does present a whole host of opportunities to integrate into web to print, to your pre-press, to your press, digital, to your CAD system, to your workflow, like in Focus Switch or something. Um, to uh, couriers and shippers, accounts, packages, CRM systems, you know, a whole host of opportunities there that are there for the taking, really. And I think my really taking inspiration from you two of what you talked about, my suggestion would be if you, first of all, if you have an idea, pursue it and, and at least have a conversation with someone don't you know don't assume that it's not possible assume it is possible and pursue it and, and just have, have them start them conversations and the other bit i'd tag on to that is is don't feel the need to be original either if you if you know if you've seen things that your a fellow industry business is doing or a competitor or and and you, you like the sound of it then don't be afraid to give it a try for yourselves as well so uh, that would be my my key takeaways to to suggest. Yeah, I want to steal yours now because I like that. You know, is it possible? Yes, is the answer. Yeah. Yes, yes is the answer in this day and age now with the amount of software that got APIs, it's, everything can be integrated. You know, I don't think I've come across much that you just have to throw the towel in. Yes, yeah. you might integrate some things as as good as other things. But can you integrate it? Well, yes, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Very good point and a great point to end on. And I guess really, John, that proves that Dan is just agreeing that my point is better. So. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so listen, thank you very much for your time today, Dan. Thank you, John. Really interesting conversations. I would definitely encourage people to get over to the Tharson TV episode and Integration Lab as well. So, Dan, John, thanks for your time. Look forward to speaking to you again. Take care, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. You've been listening to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern. If you have any questions about today's show or you're interested in being a guest, head over to our website and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>